I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. everybody you're listening to the squiggly careers podcast this is a weekly podcast where we dive into the ins outs ups and downs of your working life and try to help you with your development and support you to take action we are driven by a mission to make careers better for everyone and the weekly conversations that sarah and i have are one of the ways in which we do that but today i'm not actually joined by sarah instead today i'm joined by a guest and the guest is dory clark and we're going to be talking about how how you reshape your role and there are a few different elements that we'll cover in the conversation uh, a little bit about your skills a little bit about your relationships a little bit about the job that you do today but if you haven't come across Dory maybe let me start by just giving you a bit of an introduction to who she is and what she does so Dory Clark was named as one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50 I think I came across her work in Harvard Business Review that was probably the first time I saw Dory's work and then I started to realize that almost every article that I was reading and nodding to and going yeah good point I agree with that I would go up to the top of the article and then look at who it was written by and it was always written by Dory Clark and she's not just a contributor to Harvard Business Review she's also written a number of books so there's a book called Entrepreneurial You and there's also a book called Reinventing You and her new book is called The Long Game. And she's described by the New York Times as an expert at self-reinvention and helping others to make changes in their lives, which is why we thought she'd be such a good person to speak to on this topic of reshaping your role. And I think the thing that Dory does really well is she takes a really entrepreneurial approach to how you reshape your role. So what you can learn by entrepreneurs to do in perhaps not an entrepreneurial career, if that makes sense. So in a more traditionally corporate role, how you can apply some of those insights into what you do. Some of the things that stick out for me in the conversation that you're about to hear, um, she talks a lot about how side bets or side projects, whatever you want to call them, how they create options for you. And the point that really resonated with me was she was talking about in careers full of change, which, you know, you could call squiggly, when you only do one type of work in one place, you're perhaps more exposed to those changes and a bit more vulnerable. But when you have side bets, whether that's volunteering or some stuff that you do on the side, it increases your resilience. So I thought it was quite interesting how you could proactively reshape your role to give you more resilience she also talks about the benefit of 20 percent time which i know is something that lots of you probably will be familiar with because i think google's really popularized this term but we take it a bit further which is 20 percent time might exist in your role if you have quite a progressive employer that allows you to spend 20 percent of your working time on something else but if that's not possible you can still sort of apply that principle to your time more generally so how could you take more of your time and spend it in a way that could help you to upskill, reskill, develop different skills in different areas. So there's some interesting conversations that we have around that. 
And the last thing that I think you might find useful, I hope you find useful, was all about reshaping your relationships. And we talk about the difference between reactive, reciprocal and random relationships and why investing in all of them is really helpful in reshaping your career. So I hope that you enjoy listening. I hope there are some things in here that would stick for you. Would love to hear from you as well. So at the end of the episode, I'll come back and just give you all the contact details and let you know what Sarah and I are going to be covering next week because it's an interesting topic we're going to be covering in next week's podcast episode so hopefully hopefully this will be useful and you'll be listening to that one too dory welcome to the squiggly careers podcast hi helen great to talk with you thank you so much for joining us so we met relatively recently on a panel that we were both on and I was reflecting a little bit on like everything that's happened for us in our business over the last 12 months and I was thinking about you and your career and I thought a good place to start as we're talking about reshaping roles and careers in light of all things COVID was to talk to you about what does your kind of reshaping of your career look like over the last 12 months? Absolutely. Well, so over the COVID period specifically, probably the biggest change for me, like a lot of people, is that because traveling had completely subsided, a lot of my business actually came from speaking at conferences and associations and other gatherings. So that stream of income just completely dried up. So it was very ominous for a while Mm -hmm. about what my income was going to look like. Was I going to be able to you know, earn any money. I mean, but as it turned out, a bright lining was that since 2014, I have been experimenting in various ways with online courses. And that has been a consistent side bet that I've been pursuing over the intervening years. And that was an area that boomed during COVID. And so I feel very fortunate. And I wondered in looking back over the last 12 months, whether there are any things that you have reflected on through going through that experience, which could also be helpful prompts for other people to reflect on in terms of their career to help them reshape their roles and careers going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So one which was really a major theme for me and I think was exemplified by that example around online learning was actually something that I talked about a lot in my most recent book, which is called Entrepreneurial You. And the whole point of it is it kind of follows a hypothesis that I've been exploring for a number of years. I started my career as a newspaper journalist and I was young, I was in my early 20s and I had only done it for a year and then I got laid off and it just hammered home to me how even this steady, stable job, this purportedly stable job can suddenly evaporate. And then you go from one stream of income filling all your needs to zero, basically overnight. They gave me a week severance pay. And so I had to find something else really quickly. And so ever since then, I mean, I wasn't able by any means to operationalize it right away. But as I settled into my entrepreneurial career, I really became obsessed with trying to play this out and to realize a lot of things can disrupt you. Obviously, if you are an entrepreneur or a freelancer, in some ways you're better off because most often you don't have one client, you have multiple clients. So if one leaves, it's not quite so devastating. But there's also a problem that can occur when we do only one type of work. Because if for some reason there's a change in the marketplace or or whatever, just things we can't expect, all that really could be wiped out. And so thinking about how do you create multiple revenue streams, you know, I, I think of it as just more legs on your table 
is really helpful. And the pandemic certainly showed it. That was not anything that we expected. But if one or two legs of the table gets knocked out, we're able to be much more stable and secure. When things are good, it enables you to capture the upside much more. So for any professional, whether you have a full-time job or whether you are a freelancer, whatever it is, thinking through just ways to explore, even in tiny ways to start how to create multiple revenue streams for yourself, whether it's a you know rental income off of a property, or it could be things like starting to do some coaching or consulting on the side. Maybe you are starting a blog, and if you build up enough following, you could get money for sponsored posts. And there's a lot of ways to experiment with that, but it all adds to our security and stability, which I think is pretty important these days. What do you think is the biggest barrier I am a little biased, I'll admit, with this because I sort of take umbrage at the idea that anything is like a kind of you have it or you don't have it sort of thing. So I'm a much bigger fan of just focusing in on mindset because I believe that for anybody who wants to learn and is actually willing to commit themselves and said, yeah, you know, sure, of course, if I study it, of course, if I practice it, I can do it. I really respect that and admire that because, you know, there is certainly a group of people out there that say, oh, well, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you either have it or you don't. And it's, it's just like, what are you trying to do there? Is that, yeah. is, is, that, is that like just trying to make yourself feel better or some sort of passive aggressive way of dissing people? Like, come on, like it's ridiculous. People can learn to do a lot of things. This is not rocket science. This is just like, okay, come up with an idea. You test it out. You see if people want the idea, you know, you tweak it until they do want the idea and then you do it. Like, come on, it's not that hard. People can absolutely do it. I do think that mindset is the crucial part. If people believe that and they're willing to be humble enough to take the process of learning how to do it, then I definitely think they can be successful. So if people are listening and they're thinking, okay, either because something's happened to me, I need to sort of reshape my career or because I proactively want to, if one of the ideas we've talked about is think about how you kind of diversify yourself in your career and also how you can kind of have multiple streams of revenue from your career. Are there any other things that you would say, if you're in this place now, you're like, okay, I need to reshape my career or I want to reshape my career. Are there any actions that you would say to people that this this is a really good thing for you to do next? Well, one of the things that I actually talk about in my newest book, which is coming out in September, it's called The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World, is I have a whole chapter devoted to 20% time, which is a concept, of course, popularized by Google. It was originally created by the company 3M, which invented post-it notes. The idea is that they allow employees to devote, in 3M's case, it was 15%, in Google's case, 20% of their time to sort of experimental projects. Now, one interesting thing, I have talked to people, to some people within Google, and they say, oh, that's not really a thing anymore, blah, 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 blah. And then I talk to other people within Google, and they're like, oh, yeah, I do that. I do that all the time. (laughs) And I think it's so telling, because the truth is, even at Google, which is supposed to be the epicenter of this 20% time, there's still plenty of people that are not seizing the opportunity for something like that. So you do have to be self-motivated in order to make it happen. But it's like that in our own careers. And I think that 
we have to be the drivers of that. And so I have done this in my own career and I really believe it's important for other people as well. What I love about 20% time is you need to have the freedom to experiment. And that includes the freedom to fail because of course, when you're trying something new, you, you have no idea how it's gonna come out. It could be an amazing success. It could go nowhere, we don't know. But if it's only 20% of your time, it is not going to cripple you if it doesn't work. You know, you never want to put too much on the table and then, oh, well, you can't afford for it to fail because the results would be catastrophic. It's not like that. If you feel a freedom to play around and to experiment and to find the thing that might be the right thing for you, whether it is, oh, I'm going to start an online class or, oh, I'm going to, you know, maybe I am going to start real estate investing on the side or people seem to like my photography. Maybe I could do some headshots or some portraits of people on, you know, on the weekends, whatever it is, but you have enough bandwidth to try it out. And that's where you actually can really be successful because the place where a lot of people go wrong is they jump too quickly to a solution and then they try to shove it down the throat of the marketplace. And if the marketplace doesn't want it, the marketplace doesn't want it. You need to take the time to find the product market fit. And then when you do, that's when you can lean into it. Often people might think, yeah, well, my company's not Google. My company's not going to give me 20% of my time to go and do my photography business on the side. But I actually think if you think about it a little bit more broadly and you think about it less of 20% of the time of your day job and more 20% of your time in the was it 168 hours a week, um, what would that look like? I think that you know everybody has the 168 hours. And so if you can't get the 20% time in your day job, I think look a bit more broadly into how you're spending your time and could you create some of it in the weekend or the evening time to go towards those things. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it really is, you know, no, nobody's going to hand this to you. Your boss <laughs> isn't going to hand it to you. You're not even going to hand it to you. You have to fight for this. I remember very early in my career when I had that first job as a newspaper reporter, and I had a colleague, this woman named Nina, I was six or eight months into working as a journalist and I felt so busy. I felt so bedraggled <laughs> because you know, was, thank you. Yes. I, you know, I was just like, uh, doing, you know, reporting all the time, doing stories all the time. They wanted, you know, they always wanted stuff. And so I felt like, oh, I'm so busy. I couldn't possibly do another thing. And meanwhile, one day Nina announces, oh, she has a book that's going to be published. I'm like, what? Nina? Like, <laughs> when? It was crazy. And so I went over to her. I'm like, Nina, how did you do this? Like, how did you have the time to do this? And she said, oh, when I got home from work, I would just make this my second job. And so, you know, I guess she would like eat dinner at her computer or something like that. But she said, you know, as soon as I got home from work, I would work on the book until about nine o'clock every night. I just thought, whoa, because to your point, Helen, about sort of understanding what is possible, that's not what I was doing. You know, I was going out and having dinner with friends and, you know, I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. I thought I was stewarding my time, but to see what other people were actually doing when they were applying themselves. And of course, everyone's circumstance is different. Like that's not the time you're going to pick if you have kids, for instance, like probably you'd have to go the other end and do it first thing in the morning or whatever, you know, people have different circumstances that they're working on. But just for me to understand that during a time when I felt like I was busy to the brim and I nonetheless had a colleague that was able to make slightly different choices and bang out a book during the same period of time was a bit of a wake up call for yeah. me about what was possible. 
was interesting you saying about you know you weren't doing it you were going out and having dinner and fun with your friends I also think there's sort of like an insight in that which is that if you do this sort of thing that you might do around the thing that you that energizes you and that you love like I happen to love helping people with their careers so that's how I chose much to spend my time she you know Nina may have loved writing that's what she chose to do but if somebody like loves going out for dinner and drinks and going to restaurants with their friends that in itself could still be an idea maybe they become you know some kind of reviewer and they that becomes a blog that they could monetize with advertising so and then it's always time well spent it's, um, it's true and actually to your point I did do that a little bit. Yeah, I was a political reporter, but I managed to convince my editors because we had a cheap eats column for the paper. So of course it was rather, it was a rather coveted gig to review the nice restaurants. I never got to do that, but (laughs) they would give me 25 bucks. And, and so I would not infrequently as an extra work thing, I would write the cheap eats column because they gave me $25 to buy myself and a friend dinner. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's brilliant. So the last thing I really want to talk to you about was about relationships. And if we are reshaping our roles and our careers, then it also might be the time that we need to reframe how we look at building relationships. And also particularly because of COVID, but you know, we're all building relationships in different ways. You and I met on a virtual panel and other people will be meeting people in other ways. I just wondered if you've got any thoughts of people who might be rethinking about their career and how they invest in the relationships that can help them. Any, any thoughts to, to support people with that? Relationships really are a part of playing the long game. You've probably heard the saying that the only thing that sort of changes us as people are the books we read and the people we meet. And you know that that's the lever that changes how we develop as humans. And I, I think it's very powerful. So one of the points that I make in the long game is that Ultimately, there's three types of networking. And for people who don't like networking, what I think often happens is that one kind, one variety steals all the oxygen and and is what gets talked about. We miss talking about the other two types that are much more valuable. So the kind that seems to dominate the conversation is what I will call short-term networking, which is basically like, I need a thing, so I'm going to meet someone who can give me a thing. (laughs) And I mean, that's just distasteful for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. We're like, Ugh. like, who wants to be on the other end of that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I can completely understand, like, if that's what you think networking is, then yeah, it makes sense to not like networking. But what I suggest is that there's two other varieties that are much more important, much better, frankly. And when it comes to your long-term, to your squiggly career, these are the kinds that we should be cultivating. So the, the second type is you know long-term networking. And that is the kind of relationship with people that you're not precisely sure how they can be helpful to you, but you just have a pretty good sense that, that they will be. They're, you know, maybe they're in your field, you know, you have common connections, common interests, et cetera. It sort of makes sense. Like, oh, well, you know, we're kind of doing the same thing. Like, you know, it's it's not like, oh, well, I know that in 2024, Dory's going to do this for me. <laughs> But it's kind of a general, like, yeah, I have got is... that written down on a post-it note. So if we can just come back to 2024 at the end. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, good. We'll, we'll get that <laughs> taken care of. But, you know, so we know in general, it would be a good person to get to know. So that, you know, I think that that's valuable because it's a kind of networking with good intentions, right? We don't know how they can help us. We don't know how, you know, we can help them, but there's going to be a, a real relationship and reciprocity over time. The kind of networking though, that I think is perhaps most 
interesting. It's kind of like, you know, wild card networking. I call it infinite horizon networking. And those are the relationships with people that honestly on the surface make like no sense. (laughs) And this is where it gets fun because most people, most rational people probably wouldn't invest a lot of time in these relationships because it's like, well, you know, they're an astronaut. So what can they do for me? You know, like I'm not an astronaut. I don't want to be an astronaut. But the truth is the relationships that we build with people that are really outside our field, you know, just different kind of random things. This is where it gets interesting because number one, they are probably going to be more likely than other people to spark new ideas, new perspectives, new possibilities. Number two, things actually change a lot over time. You might be completely convinced you're going to have your entire career in finance, let's say, and something happens. Maybe you get laid off. Maybe you have a revelation at a certain point that like, no, no, I don't want to do finance. I want to do flowers. (laughs) Well, guess what? It's those random people that can help you because if you over-index too much and you build your entire network in your existing city or your existing field, That's nice for a while, but it becomes a liability if you ever want to or have to change. Mm -hmm. So having that diversity in your network actually becomes quite powerful. And so I really advocate taking the time to cultivate those wild cards. I guess a question that comes into my mind is, how how do people in a world of work where I don't know what the future is going to look like, but let's say at least half of your time is going to be sat in your own property, <laughs> doing your job from your desk in your own house or maybe the kitchen table. How do <laughs> I go and cultivate some of those you know, more random relationships that could really fuel that particular network? Is there anything that you think people could do to do that? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot you can do. So there's a surprising amount you can do. So one that's actually a favorite of mine is alumni organizations, because you obviously have something in common with these people. You went to the same school, but the whole thing about colleges or universities is you end up in radically different places. I mean, you know, that's why they have 20 or 40 majors is you're all doing different things. So It's very hard, of course, to connect with someone if you literally have nothing in common with them. But if you can find someone where it's like, oh, well, I also went to this school or, or, you know, something along those lines, being involved in that association basically gives you carte blanche to connect with other people because of a shared tie, but you've now ended up in different worlds. I am also a really big fan. I talk about this a lot in my first book, Reinventing You, of when it comes to the organizations and associations you're involved in, go deep, not wide. And so, you know, instead of just like, oh, well, I went to a few meetings of the alumni association. No, join the board. It's (laughs) so easy because most people are busy and they don't really want to do volunteer things, but it's so easy. If you basically say, you know what, guess what? I'll be the membership chair. This officially gives you license to contact whoever you want. This is very powerful. Or like, oh, I'll be the program chair. Guess what? You can invite whoever you want to be a speaker. They want to get back to you because it's an honor to be asked to speak for the Alumni Association. These are really amazing ways to do it. Another suggestion that I'll share, Helen, which I have done many times with a colleague, is to organize either a real world dinner when that is possible or a virtual one, you know, equally possible. And I will pick a colleague that either knows a wide variety of people or maybe is in a totally different field from me and we'll divide the responsibilities. And I'll say, well, you know, Helen, I'll invite three people and you invite three people. I love that. And the goal is just to cross-pollinate our networks. 
I love that idea of cross-pollinating networks. And, and so I've kind of summarised in my own mind, I've kind of gone, okay, so there's the reactive relationships, which are really tactical and we shouldn't spend too much time doing. There's the reciprocal relationships that you want to invest in because they will support your career in the future in ways that you might not even know yet. And then there's the random relationships, which are full of unexpected consequences that you just, and you just have to believe that to be true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like pinball. So thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. I think think it will really help people to think proactively about how they reshape their career, how they don't become dependent on only one employer, how they prime their mindset for the possibility of doing something else now or in the future, and how they sort of build a network of people around them that can help them in lots of different ways. One of the very last things that we ask our guests before they leave us, they leave us on our Squiggly Quiz podcast, is for a piece of career advice, maybe something that has helped you or um, something that you think would help our listeners. But I wonder if there's a piece of career advice that you could share with us. Well, you know, one of the things that I feel like sometimes gets short shrift in the world of entrepreneurship, at least, is it seems like a lot of the conversational momentum has gone to limiting your information, you know, like, but for me, I actually, you know, having been a journalist, I am a big fan of reading the paper and I I spend a huge amount of time and it's very pleasurable for me reading books, reading magazines, reading newspapers. And part of the reason that I find that so helpful is that it gives me a base of knowledge that I can use to connect with a lot of people quickly. I think there's really something to be said for being well-informed about a lot of different things because it enables you to create rapport and to be able to have a more intelligent conversation with people if you understand even a little bit about the geopolitics of what is happening in their country or about certain industries or certain trends or things like that. Just if you imagine like a world that somebody is in, if somebody's in the world of cryptocurrency, it's a really different conversation if you start with, well, what's a Bitcoin as compared to, oh, you know, so, you know, what do you think about the differences between compound and the graph? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay. You know, like, oh, let's, let's dive in. And, you know, similarly, if you meet someone who's German and you can say to them, hmm, so tell me your thoughts about who's going to succeed Angela Merkel and what that's going to mean. Like immediately you're able to have a good conversation. And so I think I just always get troubled by a kind of uh, bro-ish push toward Philistinism. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you so much for listening to the conversation with Dory. I hope it sparks some ideas for you in terms of reshaping your role. I think reshaping sounds quite dramatic, like something has to happen in order for you to reshape your role. But the thing that I took away from the conversation with Dory is that our roles and us are continually work in progress. And so whether it's, you know, investing in those side bets or really reimagining your relationships, this is a useful continual investment to do in our career to increase our resilience rather than a one-time only or a triggered event that needs to happen. So we'd love to know what has been useful for you. You can email Sarah and I. Uh, we love reading your emails and hearing what's stuck. Uh, our email address is just Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com and that will be in the show notes as well. We'll also be talking about this topic on Pod Plus, which you can join us with live. So on the week that this episode comes out, on the Thursday that week, we'll do Pod Plus and we'll be sharing different tools and things that have resonated with us on this topic of reshaping your role. You can also watch that back. If you if you can't join that session, you can watch that back. All the details again are in the show notes or just go to our website amazingif.com and you will find the details there and next week we are going to be talking about ego at work i feel like ego is quite an uncomfortable conversation because no one really wants to admit that they've got one or really like to deal with anyone who might be displaying one at work but we all have ego and sometimes it helps us and sometimes it hinders us so we're going to be diving into the topic about ego at work and looking at what we can learn and how we can help ourselves and others to manage their ego in hopefully a productive way at work so hopefully you will join us then for a topic that we are looking forward to diving into see you all soon everyone bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.